Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Welcome to Assurance of Pardon, a podcast about the gospel, the Bible, the church, what it all means, and why it all matters. I'm Scott Davis, pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And I'm Gage Jordan, lead pastor of First Presbyterian Dyersburg in Dyersburg, Tennessee. Gage, good to be back with you uh, today and our listeners as we are uh, picking up, I guess, part two of, maybe part two of two of our little mini-series, which we, uh, I think we last time titled Throwing Out Babies with Bathwater. Um, and, and that is, uh, riffing on this idea. In fact, well, before we, before we introduce that, let's remind our, our listeners that we are part of the society of reform podcasts, and we would invite, invite you to, uh, go to reformpodcasts.com and subscribe to some of the other great podcasts that they have, like, uh, like the reform brotherhood, distilling theology and many, many others. So go over there and check that out and give some love to our reform brothers, uh, in the society. Absolutely. We also want to mention that we are sponsored by Logos Bible Software, and they just came out with Logos 10, and uh, I've heard a lot, of, a lot of great changes, a lot of great feedback, so we're excited for that. Uh, this is definitely a software and, and a resource that we use um, every single week. Um, every single day. Bible study, yeah, in Bible study and sermon prep. Um, you can carry it in your phone on the app. You can carry it on your, your devices. Uh, it's like carrying a whole library in your pocket. Uh, so we would ha- highly recommend you check out Logos Bible Software. And if you go to our website, assurancepardon.com slash Logos, uh, you'll get some discounts and some love there. Yeah. Well, hey, Gage, what we're talking about and uh, as picking up on our discussion from uh, last week is this idea of throwing out babies with bathwater. And, and the idea is that... Um, <coughs> The, the error, the ditch that we can fall into is that just because uh, something that we are called to do in Scripture can be done badly, or because maybe we've experienced it being done badly in, an, in another church, just because that can happen badly, can be abused, can be done wrongly, um, our tendency would be, therefore, we ought not do it because I had a bad experience with it. And so, Gage, what are the things that we talked about last week of some things that can be done badly that we might sometimes just avoid? Yeah, so we covered um, music in the worship service, so instrumentation, things like that, um, and and the different kind of spectrum that that, that falls under, especially in, in the reform category. Uh, we talked about talking about money. Um, and, and, and all that that's involved with that, that you can't, you can never talk about tithing. You can never talk about generosity. You can never talk about money, um, because for fear that you're going to come across like, um, you know, you, I knew it, I knew it. The church was all about money. You're just after trying to get my 10% and, um, you're just trying to manipulate me, um, in, into giving. So we can't ever talk about generosity or the, or the need to support the church because it's been done poorly or because we, um, are afraid we're going to sound like prosperity gospel preachers. Um, and we even, you know, don't preach certain texts because of that. And then lastly, we talked about, 
um, frequency uh, of the Lord's Supper. We've talked about this before, but just to kind of, again, drive the point home that if if what we believe, uh, especially as Presbyterians, uh, that something is actually happening in the meal, um, it's different than our our uh, credo brothers and sisters, right? Our, our, our Baptist, our non-denoms. Um, that take a memorial view because we think something's actually happening. We then think that we need it every week. Uh, we need it as frequently as possible and that it's not going to lose its specialness. It's not going to lose um, its its holiness. It's not going to become routine. And maybe it does become routine and that doesn't necessarily bad uh, because you know, I, as I'm, I've been reading through um, Jonathan Landry Cruz's book, What Happens When We Worship, and one of the things he talks about is we don't then believe something first and then form habits around it. We form habits, and then our habits kind of drive what it is that we believe. Uh, and so sometimes we need the repetition to to remind us because we're forgetful people. So that's that's kind of a little bit of the 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 beginnings of those conversations. And we we thought about all the possibilities, and we thought about. Um, other things we could discuss. And so here, here's part two of, of throwing babies out with bathwater. Yeah. And, and one of the things we ought to think about if we're going to, if we're going to think seriously about this and think carefully about it is if there is a uh, rampant error, if there is widespread uh, um, abuse of a principle, all the more reason that we ought to lean into doing it correctly um, if it if if we are convinced that this truly is something that Scripture calls us to, or that it good and necessary consequence um, calls us to, then then it then it is important, and we ought to do it. We ought to do it well because there's so many people out there who have seen it done badly. So that's right. Just that's the right. Op- just the opposite is is the case. Um, well, one of the things that I want to talk about today uh, that we talked about talking about. And that is the idea of male headship in the church, male headship in the home. Uh, Gage, you and I are both teaching elders, ordained teaching elders in the Presbyterian Church in America. And yes, sir, got my card and everything. Uh, we, we uh, the PCA, uh, uh, left the mainline Presbyterian Church in 1973. And one of the things that is distinctive of the PCA over and against the PCUSA is that we, uh, we uh, are all of our officers are men. We do not have female teaching elders. We do not have female ruling elders, and we do not have female deacons in in an ordained sense. So, um, that's for 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 folks who grew up in in denominations where that was always the case. Maybe you grew up in a Southern Baptist context or uh, a Lutheran church, Missouri Synod church. Uh, that's not a, a difficult thing to, to adjust to, but if you, maybe you grew up uh, in an Episcopalian context or a United Methodist context or um, a number of more liberal denominations, you might hear that. And you might say, you might immediately think, well, the reason that you guys don't ordain women it's because you hate women right yeah that's you're, you're that's chauvinist that's, that's that's exactly how that's the only reason goes. for that and the reason that paul spoke against the uh, uh women teaching or exercising authority over men is because he was a backwards chauvinist who lived in a backwards time and we know better now uh gage why is that the wrong way to think through that well first of all you go against uh you, you start to pit paul against um, other parts of scripture, 
um, when when Moses is uh, counseled by Jethro, going all the way back uh, to Exodus, when he's <clears throat> got uh, millions of people that he's shepherding, and his father-in-law basically tells him, "Brother, you're going to burn yourself out if you don't um, get some help." Um, there, that would have been the perfect time <laughs> to say, "Okay, you need X amount of men, X amount of women." Men are going to be in charge of this. Women are going to be in charge of this. Go, go forth and do likewise. Um, but he doesn't. He just picks guys, and there's a there's a reason for that. It's not because we think women are inferior. It's not because we think women are less intelligent. My wife um, is smarter than me. She's got more. You know, up until I finished seminary, she had more degrees than I did. Um, you know, and. Um, so it's not because we don't think they're intelligent or capable or gifted in any any, any sort of sort of way. It's because the way God designed um, the family and the way God designed the church is for guys to lead. Right, At part of Adam's failure in the garden that Paul alludes to in First Timothy is the passivity of protecting his wife from the lies of Satan. A hundred percent. And so, uh, but again, this is the effect of cancel cancel culture. This is the, the effect of, um, because I went to a bad restaurant. Now all food is bad. Um, people hear that and they think, uh, see, you're a chauvinistic patriarch. Um, you, we, we knew you hated women secretly and we know, knew this is how you feel. Um, and, and we, we can't deal. And so immediately people, um, want to cancel the church or cancel reform churches for holding this position. But here's the reality of the matter. When you look at first Timothy three and Titus one, and you look at the qualifications of officers, um, they are told that they are husbands of one wife. Um, And so here's the, here's the thing. If we don't affirm the LGBTQ plus IA, all, all those things, um, groupings and beliefs and lifestyle, if we don't affirm that, of which we don't, um, then there's not really room for a female to be the husband of one wife, <laughs> right? That's, that's, that's the plain reading of the text, uh, among, among other, other things. But also, we, we have to pay attention to the way in which God designed things to be. And part of the way God designed things to be is for guys to lead their household well. Now, here's where the problem comes. Here's where, where the rub comes in, Scott, and the, which, which is our conversation. Some people have been a part of churches where this has been done poorly. Uh, even I'll go as far as to say it's been done abusively, where... Um, ladies were mistreated, where they were beaten down, where they were subjected, where they were treated as less than and and not as not as equal image bearers uh, made after the image of God. And therefore, now, that is unfortunately the only perspective that some of our congregation members have ever seen. And so when you talk about male headship, this is the first thing that comes to their mind. Just like uh, if if you have a bad relationship with your dad, and then you hear about God being a father, the first images you're going to have is of your absent, neglective abuse of dad. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and what's what's important is there is a, a, a unfortunately, as we when we when we begin to smash together 
the 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 distinctives between men and women what we right. actually are doing is we're not elevating women or lowering men we're actually just androgenizing people we actually right. are rather than seeing men as and women as distinctly designed by god with different roles in the world with different uh, natures uh, in the world what we're actually doing is we're treating them as androgynous cogs that just can be uh, pulled out and stuff. And so we we are we are saying all of those. Um, let me let me. In fact, let me say it this way. I'm going to read you the little couple paragraphs we have in our in our new member orientation book. We say at Hope Church we believe that men and women are both created in the image of God. Both are valuable before God and deserve, deserve respect. The biblical pattern is that men and women are not simply interchangeable in every situation in life. We can't swap one out for the other and expect to get the same result. Instead, we believe that God created men and women to complement each other. Very often, men and women have different skills and perspectives that are needed in the church. Throughout the, his throughout the history, Christianity's view of gender has often been controversial. In the ancient world, the church taught that women were valuable and didn't need to be married to find their identity in society. The church also taught that men and women were spiritual heirs and would inherit God's promises regardless of gender. While we need the perspectives of both men and women to be a healthy church, we believe that the Bible teaches that men have been given the responsibility to lead both the home and the church when possible. This means that the elders and deacons of Hope Church are men. This doesn't mean that we will make any man an elder and ignore the wisdom and spiritual maturity of women in our church. We need the gifts of all of our members, men and women, both young and old, to be a healthy community. We're, we're saying women and men are not interchangeable cogs that are essentially the same, except for some, some you know, inconvenient plumbing differences. No, God has made women a special way with special right. gifts. That he didn't give to me, that Agreed. he didn't give to you. Yeah, yeah. I think what some people think is that this is just about um, different roles that God has assigned, mm. uh, and and when they think that since this is just about different roles that God has assigned, that it doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. That God just sort of reached into a hat and and said, <laughs> "For men, I will have them do." this and I'll have them do this. And then he reached into the hat and said, and here's the, he reaches a slips of paper. Uh, oh, for women, they do these things. It is, right. it is not yeah. just ran. It is not about, this is a, a phrase I heard recently. It's not about different roles that God has assigned. It's about different natures that God has designed. That's true. It is something about men that God has gifted them in a special way that that he's that is the reason that he has that he's it is part of his design it's not just a random uh division of labor but it's built into how god has in his in his goodness and his kindness made men and made women That's in right. a way that that we will lean into their design for the flourishing of themselves of the family and for from and for the church and so and again if if someone wants to hear this and say i hear all of that it just sounds chauvinistic to me 
then um, that's that's unfortunate. I, I we realize we realize that that will in in 2022 that that will sound controversial, but sure. we can't we we can't take our marching orders from the 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 current thoughts of the day. We can't let the 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 zeitgeist of our age determine how we think through these things. We have to let we have to let scripture inform how we think through the leadership of the church. Yeah, and let me say one more thing in this, and we'll move on to our other topic. Um, when this is done well, when when guys lead well, so Adam's put in the garden. He's given dominion. He's told. Um, to be the federal head over the garden, take care of things, be fruitful, multiply, um, and and lead. And Eve is given to him to help him because it wasn't good for him to be alone, uh, that he needed a helper fit for him. And that's the way in, in which God designed um, humanity to to exist. When this is done well, everybody flourishes. The church flourishes. The family flourishes. W- women and men flourish. The entire uh, Old Testament is a a story of guys that are called to lead and how much they absolutely do this poorly. One thing after another, after another, Adam, uh, you know, fails. Abraham lies about his wife being his sister. Noah ends up drunk and naked on a beach. Like David can't, can't uh, seem to get his eyes averted and, and, and his stuff together. Like there's, there, this is, there's tons of stories where the, the scriptures tell you, Hey, this, look, this is, Think bad things happen. Sin is rampant when this doesn't go well. But on the other side, it, you get as far as Ephesians chapter five, and um, it's unpacked. It, un- unpack that yes, women submit to their husbands the way Christ, um, or the way church the church submits to Christ. But then the lion's share, the responsibility, and the call by God is placed on men. Hey, love your wives sacrificially the way Christ loves his church and gave himself up for it and love her the way you love your own, your own flesh and water her with the washing of the water of the word. Like there, there is responsibility and weight put on the dude to care for her well and water her well. So that when that happens, there's flourishing. Yes. Children obey your parents. This is right. But Hey, dads, don't provoke provoke your children to anger, right? So, like, it, it's important that when we talk about this, we understand that when this is done well and healthy and spirit filled, uh, that everybody flourishes. So, I'll we'll land there. <clears throat> let's let's get into Scott. Let me introduce this the second discussion. Uh, this is a, a little bit lighter, um, but it's on this same line of cancel culture. There is a a vibe right now in the world, especially in the reform world where um, Scott, I, it, it it sounds like this. I can't read, listen to podcast, sermon, listen, whatever anybody, unless I absolutely agree with anything they've ever said, written, tweeted, um, you know, emailed, like, like, unless I agree with everything of their theology ever, I can't possibly glean anything from them. Uh, the problem is we, the only thing we're consistent on in this reality is our inconsistency. Cause when you look at our bookshelves, is, is that the case, Scott? 
Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. I think one of the things that, um, one of the things that you find is that do we want to read like a scholar or do we want to read like a fundamentalist? Fundamentalists, fundamentalists read very narrowly. They only read certain people from their tribe. And anytime you cite someone that's outside of that tribe, uh, they're accused of, you mean you believe all the stuff that guy teaches? No, not at all. And so we, we uh, um, but if you read, uh, if you read a scholar, um, what you'll find in, uh, you read a scholar may say, a Protestant scholar may sometimes say, hey, when it comes to the, the, the best commentary on the, the the book of insert Old Testament book here. When it comes to this particular difficult section in this particular chapter of this particular book, the best thing I've ever read is by this Roman Catholic theologian. <laughs> That's right. right. Or this or this li- this liberal scholar. Or, yeah. Or this or this this Jewish rabbi. That's right. His explanation of this chapter of this uh, of this book of the of the Old Testament is super helpful. Now, we need to be able to admit that without saying, I guess that means I'm a Roman Catholic. I guess that means that I'm, I'm going to need That's to convert right. to Judaism. That's, That's absurd. Right. That we, is we, absurd. We don't any more than if every time I go into to Walmart, I'm obligated to buy everything on the shelf that they That's have. Right. Of That's course right. not. I, I, I can go in. I can find the things that I need. And then I, I, the things that I don't need that are of no value to me and no utility um, I, I leave them there. I, yeah, I and, it, and it, spit it, out the bones. Absolutely, and so it goes. It goes back to this belief of common grace, right? Like, um, if I believe in truth, and I'm seeking the truth, um, then I'm for to to quote Malcolm, I'm for truth regardless of of who tells it, right? Like, so if that's the case, and and, and here's the reality of the matter, um. Theology is best processed out loud. So even as you're reading books, reading multiple perspectives and conversations helps you to think through what, you know, do I actually think this is what the text is saying? Um, let me listen to the multiple scholars. Let me do do the the, ta- uh, the the digging. Let me do word searches and all those things. But let me hear from different perspectives and see where it is that I actually land. Um, and I am of the opinion that I think this is a phenomenon that we've only had probably in the last, oh, I would say 30 years, right? Because let, let me let me give you an example. There are brothers that we, we have in our camp that think um, you need to cancel um, Tim Keller. <laughs> Every, everything that, that Kim ever says, tweets, speaks, whatever is is woke and so it's bad and so you can't ever listen to timothy keller on anything ever in life um and and by that extension the gospel coalition it it needs to be canceled too right um are there some things that 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 tim has said that i think i wouldn't agree with absolutely um are there some things that tim has said that i think is helpful absolutely right but we can't just say okay because i disagree with this 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 particular perspective on missiology that he takes or this method that he takes uh i therefore have to cancel him and everything that's wrong in the pca or whatever else is is all timothy keller's fault right um we we don't do that you know we could apply that to um a myriad of different different scholars i just used him as an example or a myriad of different uh, preachers and, and guys that write books and ladies that write books and all all of those things 
but we, you know, back it up a hundred years, right? Um, we have John Stott on our bookshelves and he, he was an Anglican. <laughs> I guarantee you anybody that reads Reformed Theology has J.I. Packer on your bookshelf. C.S. Lewis, Lewis has done all sorts of problematic stuff. Right. J.I. Packer, I would disagree with because he's an Anglican, right? Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, if you read some of his stuff, is a borderline universalist at times. That's right. Right? Um, And I love Lewis. I've got like 15 Lewis books um, on on the shelf. Uh, You and I hang out with Lutherans on a regular basis. And you know know what we hear all the time? I can't believe you do stuff with 1517. Don't you know they believe in baptismal regeneration? I do. I just don't agree, right? Um, they get the gospel right, though. Amen. <laughs> they they, Amen. they understand law gospel distinction, and my my brothers un- understand that. Um, we we do the same thing with Jonathan Edwards, right? I guarantee you, we have Jonathan Edwards on our bookshelf, and historically, we would have landed on the other side of um the Great Awakening and revivalism, uh, and what we believed about that. We would have actually disagreed. With George Whitfield and 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 Edwards, we would have landed on the Charles Hodge side of things. And there's there's tons of examples. Um, really, I would say the rule of thumb is stop doing this. You can't read, listen to whatever blank because this section of their theology is bad. Instead, read with some intelligence and some intellectual integrity. And say, I'm going to read this. I'm going to interact with it. It's not. I'm not going to sweepingly be fall into heresy for reading it. I'm going to compare it to the text. I'm going to compare it to the confessions and creeds. See if it see if it lands with what it is that I I have given vows to and say that I believe, and then move from there. And you're free, ladies and gentlemen, uh, pastor and layperson to read, listen to, interact with whoever about whatever, and it's not going to make you a heretic. And we, we've got to stop this. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I, I think, I think that's one of the, one of the, the, that's one of the great things about being in a reformed uh, confessional thing is, is, you know, the old phrase, good fences make good neighbors. Um, and, right. and, and the confession can serve as a as a fence there so that when I read things that are outside of my confessional tradition, I'm able to recognize, hey, that's actually outside of what our confession teaches. That's so, right. Which which shouldn't surprise me because this person is a United Methodist or this person is a this person <laughs> right. is a is a Southern Baptist or they are a Lutheran or they are an Episcopalian. And so um, let the let the confession serve. To, to inform how we read what what we when we say be willing to read widely we don't mean get all of your get all of your nourishment outside of of That's reformed right. voices or accept um, everything they say absolutely not and we also are not saying everything everything is equal you know it, you right. know it's six one half a dozen of another we're not saying that either we're, we're just saying um avoid this the, the 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 argument that just if somebody says something in one area that i disagree with i have to avoid all i have to avoid them all together i'll say this and then and then we'll we'll close up if you go to uh, Ligonier Ministries, who we would all agree is solidly re- reformed in 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 all of their uh, um, convictions, 
Ligonier has a really helpful series. They have 66 web pages on the Ligonier Ministries top commentaries on every book of the Bible. That's right. And when you go to it, they are they are not they are very scholarly commentaries. They are not it's not Jesus calling and Joel Osteen. It's very scholarly serious commentaries, many of which would actually not be the, the the sort of cookies on the bottom shelf accessible at a popular level for everybody in the pew. But when you when you go there, that list is curated by Keith Matheson, who's a thoroughly Presbyterian man. When you go there, what you'll find is a number of, of commentaries that Ligonier is recommending that are not written by Presbyterians, that are not written by Reformed Baptists. One note, one, for example, I'm preaching through First Corinthians right now. Um, one of the commentaries that's recommended is Gordon Fee, who's a, a charismatic of all people. And, and and they have that that caveat, hey, fee is not reformed. And so you'll recognize that in some things, but still, this is a very helpful commentary. That's all we're getting at. Go to Ligonier's Best Commentaries page. See how they are interacting and they're talking about finding helpfulness in traditions other than our own. Gage, I think that's all of our time for today. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give you, give you one more quick resource and then we'll, we'll close. Uh, White Horse Inn does a good job of this. Right. Do. For the for the past thirty plus years, they've designed their table uh, that they they interact with with a Lutheran, a Baptist, an Episcopalian, Anglican, uh, and a Presbyterian because they understood something really really important. That's of the tradition of the Re- Reformation. Uh, the reformers, where they could, where they were contemporaries, signed each other's um, Reformed confessions and creeds. Right. I don't know that everybody realizes that they 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 signed each other's documents because they understood in the broader reformed world what they were trying to accomplish in the movement. And I I think at at some level, especially as bad as some of the stuff is in evangelicalism that we've talked about now for going on. Scott, this is going to be the year number three uh, that we've had coming up in January uh, that we've started this this podcast. it's important to to know, hey, are there there are movements? Are there are there guys that we could align with that we may not agree with every single thing, but we understand the broader picture of what we're trying to accomplish accomplish and spend some time with them. If you have any questions about this, you want to talk about this, you want to um, complain to <laughs> about something we said, uh, we would we would uh, embrace all all compliments, criticisms, and complaints. And you can still buy us coffee, by the way. That, that link is there. Um, you can hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can email us at contact at assurance of pardon. Uh, we'd love to interact with you. We'd love to hear what of the things you think we would want to talk about. And we'll be picking it up, uh, next time, um, with, with a new, new direction. Um, we're either going to pick up our old Testament series or we may interview some friends. You have to wait around and see. And until next time, this is assurance of pardon. God bless you.